jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! of Darkness! Hey, Anthony. Hey, Stacy. <laughs> Do you have anything to share with the class? Uh, uh, um, did you ever poop yourself and poop your pants in school? When you were so, young, I watched a documentary about Von Dutch. Oh, you did? I did. It's three one-hour episodes, and I watched the whole thing. And let me tell you, I was living my life. I saw. Okay, so I saw on the Hulu. It's on Hulu, right? Mm-hmm. I saw. I brought up the menu, and I was saying to myself, "God, I miss, I miss the good old days of like the Gwen Shamblins and the the Lulu Riches and the." <laughs> Horrible, horrible cult leaders and pyramid schemes destroying people's lives. And I want more. And then I saw this Von Dutch thing pop up. And I said, oh, I think I know what Stacy's doing right now. Yeah, she was. And then I immediately saw your Insta story about watching it. <laughs> Man, it's really, first of all, it's a wild tale, let me tell you. I- I just know, like, I knew, I know the name as, like, a brand, but I know so little about this. Yeah, well, same, same. But it was such a thing for a while, and it was such a trip to, like, see footage from, like, 2003, 2004. And it, it's oh. it's like, it's not, it wasn't that long ago. It's not like it was the 60s, you know what I mean? But it it was a different era. Listen, I was thinking about this this morning in bed. I was like, isn't it funny how the Brady Bunch movie it was like, it was wacky because they were from the 70s, but it's the 90s. And then I was like, that's basically the 2000s now, or our 70s. Oh, wow, man. Yeah, and then I got really upset and I set myself on fire. <laughs> yeah, so, I but, guess you're they, right. Were Vaughn, was, so, I mean, when, just when you said it's like the 60s, it's not the 60s, it actually basically is. I guess it is, you're right. The 60s are, like the 90s are our 60s. <laughs> Oh when people were remembering the 60s back in the day. Um, was Von Dutch the flames on denim? A little bit. That, I think, was mostly Ed Hardy, which came Ed after. Ed Hardy, right. That came after. But it was the same designer. Really? Yeah. Well, it's... one of the... Like, it's an interesting uh, labyrinth of a history for the Von Dutch brand. But the the artist who everybody... <laughs> Seriously, it is. I mean, that's why it's a three-part fucking documentary. But the artist who made it really famous, Christian Odigier. Wow. Then went on to do Ed Hardy. <gasps> oh. So... So at no point was there a person named Von Dutch or Ed Hardy that was doing their own damn work. Yes, there were. Oh. Yes. But Von, then there was Von also... Dutch was like a famous pinstriper of like hot rods and shit back in the day. And Ed okay. Hardy was a tattoo artist back in the day. Okay. So. And they had Christian. Christian Odigier. 
as their designer. No. Well, what? yes. Yes. <laughs> it's it's a tangled web, and I highly suggest people watch the Von Dutch documentary. It's Do people die? Uh, yeah. What? What happened? I'm so confused. Like, give me, like, a... A synopsis, like a short synopsis that will get me. I mean, there's gangsters, there's murder, there's all kinds of stuff. What? People getting shut out of the business and they have gang connections. They're not going to be very happy. Dude. Over something called Von Dutch. Yeah, it's wild. Dude. It's wild. It's very entertaining. So I had no idea about any of it. I just remember like, oh, there's Paris Hilton in a Von Dutch trucker cap, you know? Yeah, yeah, That that's the extent of my awareness, I thought. Mm, same. So it was, I, I was like, oh, is this going to be a look at, you know, that era? And it is, but just the history of the brand and everything is super interesting, so. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. Oh, I'm excited. You should be. I just, I get, I, I get so uh, distraught that I'm becoming more, I mean, like, you know, I just had my uh, queer horror came back and we did our screening of I Know What You Did Last Summer. And I was like, this movie is 25 years old this coming year. I Know What You Did Last Summer. 25? Tw- and then I start sitting there in the theater and I start I, I, it's Saruman at the end of the Lord of the Rings, the book, when he's, <laughs> yeah. when he's just like, turning into the skeleton and just explodes into dust skeleton at the end. That's me. Listen, my mom texted me the other day to let me know that Ozzy Osbourne just turned 73. That's wild. Said so that on the bright side, he probably has no idea how old he is. That's very true. <laughs> Or what's happening. Oh my god. It's like uh, I almost bought a Kiss album, right? Because they repre- they remastered it. Listen, I love Kiss, okay? I love Kiss. And I don't care who knows it. <laughs> I'm telling it to all six people listening to this right now. I love Kiss. You want to rock and roll all night. I party every day, okay? <laughs> I, I so I also you know this our listener well who cares I got a Dreamcast because I've been living back in the late nineties again and um, did I look at Kiss Psycho Circus video game <laughs> on eBay? <laughs> That's right. Maybe mm-hmm. I didn't get it, but Kiss is a Kiss is a vibe. So continue. they were my absolute when I was a kid. I stole all my parents' Kiss records and. Just I just absconded with them, and Kiss was it for me, let me tell you. Were you ever them for Halloween? Did you do the makeup? I was them on regular days, okay? Oh! I had a Kiss Army t-shirt. I loved Kiss. And so I saw that uh, some little label did a remastered, like, anniversary edition of what I consider to be their best album. And uh, I thought about it, but then it was so expensive. I was like, I could just go find the original and buy it for like $5. I'm not going to spend 50 bucks <laughs> on your remastered version. Thank you. But mm-hmm. anyway, the point is that the uh, it was for that album's 45th anniversary. <gasps> and I was <gasps> like, there's a Kiss album that's 45 years old. Like, I mean, I, I'm like, 45 years old? That's like The Haunting, the original version. It's like, bitch, The Haunting is like 120 years old. What are you talking about? <laughs> We're all turning to dust, like a, you know, like a vampire after they get the stake through the heart. Yup. Yup. 
that's just that that feeling it's you know i'll have those those moments where i think oh wait this thing this property i love is now 50 years old this thing is 25 years old it's any x x amount number years old and i just feel that icy hand on my shoulder well, I think the very young, if we have any very young listeners, uh, can't necessarily relate to it. But anybody who's been alive for some amount of time, I think once we had the turn of the century, I think we all, our concept of time got really fucked up and we all lost a decade in between like 2000 and 2010. Yes, the millennium really confused things because it changed the number. Yeah. <laughs> and then you don't understand anything anymore no and since ever since then it's just time has been hurtling forward and you know 2001 or whatever feels like 10 years ago and then you're like no that was 20 years ago uh-huh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. in my mind 2000 is still new mm-hmm. because that's dreamcast that's imac color color imax that's when everything changed and it's just sounds it still sounds so futuristic Dracula 2000. Starring Jennifer Esposito, Vitamin <laughs> C, and Jerry Ryan as Seven of Nine as the Brides of Dracula. Ah, those are my Charlie's Angels. Give me, oh my God. The other night I was telling Jason, we got so stoned, and I was like, Jason, why didn't they make a full on, instead of Dracula 2000, why wasn't it just the three of them? And it's Brides of Dracula 2000. And it, it would be that. It's Charlie's Angels, but with the with, with Jennifer Esposito, Vitamin C, and Jerry Ryan of television, <laughs> Star Trek, Deep Space Nine. Uh, I mean, was she a Voyager? Wait a minute. No, Voyager. Voyager? Voyager. Voyager. Janeway. Janeway, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Borg Queen, yeah. But 2000 was, I mean, there was a show, Space 1999, which was like the future. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And so when 2000 hit, but nothing really changed. Our computers didn't explode. <laughs> yeah, remember that. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I don't know. So time is very strange. Is the it's point. elusive. It's yeah. elusive. The pandemic has made it, I don't know. I, I have seen all of my friends age 10 years just in the last year. Yeah. Well, that's uh, a very kind thing to say. <laughs> I'm not talking about you. Or any of them. I don't care about me. But my God, Anthony, you just said that all your friends look like shit. <laughs> hey, this includes me. <laughs> I just, I have never been so aware of the process of aging. Yeah, it feels like we're all rotting. As I have during this pandemic. And then you tell me that I know what you did last summer is 25 years old. Oh my god. And then I see the Amazon television series... I know what you did last summer, where it's it's children doing ketamine. Children who weren't even born when the movie came out. <laughs> it was like when I went, I, I did a I did a class uh, on theater after 9-11 was the course at Reed College. And I went and I was a visiting artist. And at one point I was like, wait, this class is called theater after 9-11. Were any of you alive? Really, (laughs) two kids raised their hand and one of them said, well, I was in the womb. And I'm like, you don't even know. There was the before. Those are the real before times. The real before times. 
<laughs> Everything changed. So it's, I don't know. The icy hand of death is real. She's near. <laughs> she's um, breathing on the back of your neck at all She's times. breathing. I retract my statement. I retract my statement that everyone I have aged 10 years. Uh-huh. I have aged 10 years. All of my friends have just gotten more attractive. Oh, they, oh that seems uh, sincere. They have sure. aged. Oh, my friends are aging. Thank you. They're aging like a <laughs> fine wine, and everyone oh. just looks more adult. I see. And I, with my Arrested Development and my Dreamcast, who still sees myself as a dumb child, and your Ed Hardy T-shirt, in my Ed Hardy T-shirt, and my Von Dutch hat, and my denim, 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 denim in my closet. Like, oh my God, is this John Gosselin 2.0? <laughs> That's just Anthony. <laughs> just wait till next week when I have Whitney's dad's hair from Salt Lake City. <laughs> yeah. So that's just how I feel. But all my friends are very attractive. Okay. I believe you. So, uh, this movie that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. I'm super excited to talk about it. It's long been on my list of things to see. I was originally going to watch and write about it for Shocktober at Final Girl. But, of course, as we all know, Shocktober was canceled. Because I fe- <laughs> was like, Shocktober had racist tweets from 2009. <laughs> Shocktober signed a petition in defense of J.K. Rowling. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, Shocktober. <laughs> and then I was like, well, Stacey, it really, it's your fault for not vetting her before... <laughs> So anyway, so Shocktober was canceled. Shocktober is a turf. <laughs> Racist turf. Uh... <laughs> so, so anyway, I'm excited to talk about it now. I'm glad that I finally have seen this notorious movie. Uh, Dream Home movie coming out of Hong Kong. In 2010. Yeah, man. I really dug it. I gotta say, I kept warning you before we watched this. Because it's like, it's real intense. It's real nasty. It's real mean. And it's like brutal and shit. Because I saw it. I saw it. I literally saw this 10 years ago, I think, when it came out here. And Jason and I were like, it was kind of early into our dating. Um, He would just come over to my place and we'd like drink champagne one night a week (laughs) i know it's classy is it classy he'd come over one on like a night a week because we were in art school so he'd come over and we'd drink champagne but like it's not classy because we would like gulp down like a bottle of champagne together a bottle of andre a bottle of uh, Andre Extra Dry. Thank you very much. The only kind for me. If you walk in and they only have Cook's Brute. I'm sorry, what? So we would gulp down our Andre Extra Dry and we would watch horror movies. Um, and, and I think we were like sophomores in, in college. And, um, and so we one day he brought over Dream Home, or I rented it, or I must have streamed it or downloaded it. I have no idea how I saw it, but we watched it, and I was like, this movie is fucked up! And that's all I remember. I mostly just remembered the vacuum scene. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure we'll get to. But I remembered it being so just mean and brutal and blah, blah, blah. And so I was really nervous about how I would receive this today. And motherfucker, this movie is smart. This movie is 
timely. This movie is awesome. I fucking loved Dream Home. Yeah, same. I Here's the thing is the only synopsis type thing I had ever heard. You hear about the violence in this movie because it is extreme. It is incredibly brutal. Um, and so that's what it's most known for, really. But every synopsis I had heard was like, she wants to move into this exclusive building. And I thought it was going to be like a, oh, there's a waiting list or something. And she's going to kill all the other people so she can get the apartment. That's what I thought. That's what I remembered it being, honestly. That's what I was describing it to someone last week. And I said that exactly that. Yeah. I think that was probably what you had told me it was about. Probably. That yeah. was actually probably what I'm thinking of right now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, last week about when we were recording our last episode and we talked about it. Yeah, she's on a wait list and she has to kill all these people. Yeah, so that's what I was anticipating and then for it to be super violent. And so I had no idea that it was going to be this smart of a movie. And it is absolutely so smart and timely. And only it was timely in 2010 and it's only more so now. More so. What a fucking movie. Man, I love dream home i love dream home i have so much to say about um our star josie ho mm-hmm. fucking love her she is a goddamn queen she is going on the gaylord saint queen of <laughs> yeah. um i it it's funny too that the violence dominates how people talk about this movie which it mean it absolutely dominated how i talked about it because i mean i was i was a drunk sophomore in art school watching it and i was like there's a vacuum it's gory yeah <laughs> but because the the violence while there while yes it, it is very explicit when you see it it's actually set apart in the middle of a much larger story that's also very emotional oh yeah and and i'm interested to talk about the violence because i think it's there for a very specific reason and it what it does is really really smart um it's function so yeah, I just love, I'm so happy we did this. I'm so happy to follow up uh, Lovely Molly with this. Since our conversation last week, you know, kind of going into health insurance and working class horror. And this absolutely picks up from there. I think actually we have been talking about this for a while. And then after we we were kind of asking, you know, what other working class horror is there besides My Bloody Valentine and Lovely Molly? I think a listener actually said Dream Home in the comments. And then that kind of brought this up. And I'm just so excited. I love this movie. Uh, so if people don't know, I had actually watched a documentary about... I watch a lot of documentaries. I love them. Um, you do. I watched a documentary earlier this year about the Hong Kong housing market. If you don't know, Hong Kong has the most expensive housing market in the entire world. Hmm. Um, it is outrageous. People, they've adopted what's called coffin apartments, which will be like, take a regular apartment and subdivide it. And so there will be 20 people living in it. Oh um, people have quote unquote apartments that are the size of like a quarter of a parking space. Mm-hmm. Like people literally cannot stand up in their apartments. It'll be 20 square feet and it'll be $350 a month. Wow. Apartments cost millions of dollars for like... 150 square feet or something only a small percentage of hong kong itself is even allocated for residential and so and then it's so densely populated Hmm. and so that makes it ruthless but even more so it's it has roots in the fact that it was uh it was a british colony for so long 
And all of these nice apartments, residential areas and everything were only for expats for so long. And then after that, the government got involved and uh, it's, it's basically homes are no longer homes that people can buy. They are investment opportunities for people. And I think that has spread throughout the world. I think the yep. entire world now is in a housing crisis. Yep. Uh, where people don't buy home, like you can't say like, oh, I'm 20 and I'm going to own a home someday and won't that be nice to have a home with my family? No, people are buying apartment buildings and apartments and houses and everything as a commodity. Yep. Um, and it's only getting worse. I know people love Airbnb, but Airbnb is fucking destroying cities. It's destroying cities. Zillow and, and Redfin are doing the same thing, buying up houses and selling them exclusively on their services. Mm-hmm. Uh, and jacking up the prices, which also they are now having to cease that because it's not even sustainable for them. Mm-hmm. And it's only getting worse. I see it here in my small city, especially when it's a city that gets a lot of tourism. You know, landlords are like, why am I going to rent this to somebody when I can easily at least triple my income, if not more, by making mm-hmm. it an Airbnb? And mm-hmm. then taxes go up, and it's like, people have nowhere to fucking live. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it just feels like a worldwide crisis, and I feel like either we're headed for disaster, or... I don't know, but it's, it's, something has to change. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here in Portland, in on the, in this Portland, um, like, a, one, a studio, like, two years ago or three years ago, I don't know how it shifted with the pandemic, but you could, like, they would start at, like, 1100 or $1,200 for a studio, a small studio, um, a month. A one bedroom could be anywhere between sixteen hundred to like twenty five hundred dollars. Uh, they, they're, 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 this the development is completely out of control. People keep building these condo, like the same ugly ass building with the storefronts underneath and the condos, like box looking cement condos above them. Um, there's this huge building that got built down at the end of one of the bridges, and it's this giant, giant, giant building. It costs so much to move into. The units are tiny. And 70% of it is unoccupied because they can't sell it. And yet we have such an, we have such a crisis of houselessness here and we just keep sweeping houseless people, people experiencing that and living through that. We just keep sweeping them out of the camps and out of, out of the situations that they've created or that they're living in, sweeping them out and just pushing them out further and further um, instead of like maybe letting them stay or converting the houses that aren't selling or the condos that aren't selling because nobody has that money anymore and can't sustain it. Instead of converting it into low income housing, we're just letting this continue to be a problem. Well, I always thought like, wouldn't a landlord rather have somebody rent? Like, why do we have all of these empty apartments and empty buildings yeah. and all of that? But that's not the case. Like talking to my landlord who has informed us that he is about to raise the rent, uh, he said that you they get better tax deals when their buildings go unoccupied. Really? See, that's because like downtown Portland, which is not like what you hear about on the news, even barely. But downtown Portland for years, because it, it was dead long before the pandemic happened. But there are whole city blocks that are just vacant where there used to be all these great bars and restaurants. And now that's just vacant. And I've always been so curious, like how are landlords still why would they just let it sit empty? But that is shocking. And that makes sense. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. It's disgusting. Like, people's homes should not be a commodity. But they are now. 
And yeah. it's just a way for some people to make money. And it's just like, where are we headed as society, as a global society, but as a society, like, I don't understand it. Yeah, Hong Kong, they had the, the most expensive uh, apartment in the world actually was sold in Hong Kong for over $60 million. <gasps> Is that American? That's American. Conversion? Oh my God. Yeah. That's horrific. They have a bit of a housing crisis. Uh, And so I was surprised, very, 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 very pleasantly so, that this movie wasn't just like, oh, this woman wants this fancy apartment and has to, like, and, you know, wants to kill everybody so she can get it. It's like, this was addressing... Blood! Blood! (laughs) Yeah. Like, this movie is about that housing crisis and what it can drive people to. And... Yeah. What are we doing? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's... Watching this movie was so... um, I was enraged. I was also rooting for her. (laughs) Yeah. I was... It was very cathartic in a way. um, But I also... I felt her. And I felt... I mean, obviously, I'm not going through anything like what this character is going through. But... Like, I, I found the last couple of years, like, I think Jason and I have created a goal of really wanting to get be able to get a house. And I think, you know, we're both artists. We both um, have, like, you know, m- minimal means, zero understanding of, like, retirement. How do you retire as an artist, let alone like, as a queer person? Like, we don't understand any of this. Um, that's just never been my life. I've never been, like, that 9 to 5, 401k. Like, I've just never, that's just not my life. And so in my mind, some security that we can find is getting a house and at least having that when we're old, hopefully. Um, It's next to impossible here. I just told you about when I went nuts on the internet after I saw a white woman here in Portland write, uh, I bought a house post on Facebook and include a land acknowledgement to my (laughs) fucking my fucking ancestors and tribes whose land she's occupying. And she's writing... Well, this, this, I was able to purchase this house thanks to Bitcoin and white privilege. And I would like to recognize the tribes whose land I'm occupying. And I'm like, how about you just pay me rent so that I can get a fucking house, bitch? That that absolves her of having to, of any guilt she might feel over anything at all, whether it's related or not to any race issues. It's like, well, I did a land acknowledgement. What do you want? Yeah, so I've acknowledged the problem, and now I can go back to ignoring it. So yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm like your land acknowledgement isn't necessarily anything remotely meaningful. Like, what are it's... you actually doing to help communities? What are you actually <laughs> doing to lift them out of poverty or whatever? Right? You're not doing shit except saying, "Welcome to my new house." Oh, I would <laughs> like to acknowledge such and such and such and such and such. <laughs> Big. Deal. I would like to gratefully and respectfully acknowledge the Indian graveyard yeah. <laughs> burial grounds that I am living on. If only the creeds had done a fucking land acknowledgement, maybe they would have had all those problems. <laughs> I wish the new pet cemetery they yeah. gave a fucking land acknowledgement. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh my god. Um. Oh wow. So it, it was. It's. There's that that is already some extra salt in the wound that I'm like, this is my fucking ancestral land. This is where my Kalapuyan ancestors lived. I cannot even live here. And then seeing that and then seeing like I'll go on the house 
websites, you know, like Zillow and all that shit that's only making everything worse. And here, like, you can get, if you're lucky, you can find a 700 square foot fucking cottage that is ramshackle, broken down. You need to gut the entire thing. Um, one bedroom at best. You can find that for $450,000 now in Portland. Like, almost half a million dollars. And so, so, all this to say, I watch this movie and I see poor Josie Ho, actress and producer of the film, going through all of this, and I was right there with her. Yeah. I was like, hand me the fucking vacuum. <laughs> yeah. I love this movie. It, uh, it all, I love that it also took a shot at the healthcare industry, <laughs> which is yes! the bane of my existence. Like, yes, I was like, man, this movie is not what I thought it was going to be. And I am thrilled about it. And I fucking love it. It's, I mean, it's, it's really, we'll get more into it, but it's really, it is a shame that it just gets talked about with, in terms of the violence. And that was how it was reviewed. That was how it, that's just how it's been remembered. It, Cause there is just so much more happening in this film um and and all that violence serves a purpose yes um i don't want to downplay the violence because it certainly deserves that reputation and that was part of the point for several reasons like you said josie ho uh was a producer on this she founded her own production company and this was the first movie <sighs> that she produced um she wanted to do a horror movie because she knew they were profitable and she wanted to make it super violent and gory <laughs> I love that the direct so and she was like going through countless disputes with this director, does all of her research, finds out that horror movies are gonna be the most profitable, and single handedly is like, I wanna make the bloodiest movie ever and be a fucking monster. <laughs> and it all of it the even with the disputes with the director, because he wanted to make a more artistic film, it all worked out in everybody's benefit. Cause then you get this violence that really does help support the story and what the movie is talking about. You get the deep emotion that the director was going for from his great script. And you get Josie Ho being a goddamn queen. On top of being a successful businesswoman, making her business with this movie. So, uh, Josie Ho is our star, Li Sheng Cheng, uh, who works a few jobs. She works at a bank, she works at a department store, and she's trying to save up to buy an apartment in a specific building. Um, and it's very hard, but she has denied herself, like, her entire working career. She denies herself vacations or getaways. She doesn't really go out with her friends. She doesn't do anything because she's trying to save money to get this apartment. And everybody mm-hmm. is like, you could probably find something cheaper, but she really wants an apartment in this building that has a view of the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing about this movie, men are absolute dog shit. <laughs> complete pieces of shit (laughs) she's like all the married men are having affairs she's uh having an affair with this dude they meet at like an hourly hotel and it's just a trash not even a relationship it said romantic hotel on the wall (laughs) yeah and then it was like do you want the nightly or the hourly rate (laughs) yeah and the tv only plays porn yeah Um, And so the movie jumps back and forth through several periods of time in Li Shang's life. And so we kind of see what leads to this night of absolute carnage where she is in the apartment building that she wants to move into, brutally killing people in a few apartments around. 
And we don't know why she's doing this. We don't know what's led her to this point, but we get several layers of flashbacks for all the way back to her childhood to just a few years ago, intercut with scenes that are taking place on this very violent night. Mm-hmm. And you see what's led her to this point. Mm-hmm. It has to do with, like, the, the footage of the protesters and everything was real footage. Was it really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Um, It's, you know, in her childhood, there were developers were forcing people out of their homes. The government was working with the triads to kick people out of their homes so that they could, developers could tear the buildings down and build something new that they could get more money for. What are the odds? Like, I mean, you see this with the boy that uh, her friend growing up. And there's all this, they're, they're trying to figure out, you know, where they're going to go or if they're going to be able to live by each other or anything or all this. And then later, at one point, you see, like, men, like, some thugs sent by the triad or something, like, throwing snakes in towards their house because the people won't leave. So it's like, well, we'll just get them with these snakes. It's fucked up. It's really fucked up. Um, and so she is just unable to save enough money. Her mother dies. She was very close to her mother. Um, her mother ends up dying. Her father ends up with mesothelioma because he was a construction worker and has inhaled asbestos over the years. And so he's basically dying and needs an operation that will really cut into the amount of money that she has saved for this apartment. Then she finds out that nothing will be covered because of an insurance snafu years ago that she didn't know about. She didn't declare uh, a trip to the hospital that he made years prior. And so now they're saying, we're not going to cover any of this because you lied on your form. Basically. Yeah, it invalidated some clause. Yeah. Um, and so there's a really... She uh, decides to take the Eleanor Lance route. <laughs> basically. Oh, thank you. <laughs> she pulls an Eleanor Lance on uh, her father. And as he... it's a brutal scene. Um, he's lying in bed gasping for air and she's holding the oxygen mask and not looking at him and eventually he dies. She decides to withhold the oxygen from him. But that gives her the money she needs for this apartment. Uh, and so she goes to sign the agreement with the people. She's got the money. She's good to go. She gets caught in a traffic jam. And by the time she arrives, the couple that owns the apartment has decided they no longer want to sell to her. Because they think they can get more money. Those those adorable, evil old people. <laughs> yeah. And so she is shit out of luck. And so that has what has led to this night of carnage. She decides that if she murders a few people in the building around that apartment, she will make that apartment very undesirable. And sure enough, her plan works. They, she talks them down to a bargain price. Uh, gets her fucking apartment, breaks up with the shitty dude, and uh, is going to live her life in her apartment with the sea view. <laughs> Where then she finds out her bed doesn't fit, and then the housing market immediately crashes. Yes, they, like <laughs> she, it's not as big as she wanted it to be. Uh, her bed is like balanced precariously on a shelf by the window, and uh, the U.S. housing market crisis is happening, and it's going to have a ripple effect around the globe. And then she looks right at the camera and says, boy, that's just my luck, huh? And then the credits roll. (laughs) 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 
Yeah, I love that they went with that comic ending. Yeah, it's really <laughs> out of place, but it works, you know? <laughs> Josie Ho made important calls as producer of this she film, did. and she knew what the film would needed to be successful. She was like, I need to break the fourth wall. <laughs> right at the end. <laughs> it is brutal. It is rough. Honestly, thinking about, you know, what, what, what builds her up to this point, thinking about, you know... There's one, there's, it, it, it just, that's why I was with her, you know, besides the fact the movie's very well done and, and gets you on her side, which is also interesting because she is the protagonist, but also the killer in a slasher film, and you side with her. She kills, I mean, some of the people that she kills are shitty people, but some of the people she kills are absolutely 100% innocent, and she kills them in incredibly brutal ways. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's women in this film that I do not want to die. yeah. Um, and I'm like, but but technically, if we're thinking about like the socio socioeconomic repercussions of of, of this scenario, they are victims as well. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't want that to happen, but it shows, you know. Oh, look! Now she's a monster too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very well done. But he, just thinking about that saga of what gets her to that point, like thinking about that childhood longing for this home, because you're told as a child, you know. You have to be successful. You get a good, you, like her dad tells her, you work a good job, then you buy a house of your own. This is like an ingrained societal thing that you are incomplete as a person unless you do this. So, of course, she has this desire to have the, the dream home with the view of the ocean, which she always was going to buy. Also, was then even became even harder for her to deal with not having it because she was going to get it for her mom. And then her mom passed away. Thinking about economic reality and like what it means to be poor and... And wanting this thing that you were told that you are a lesser person if you can't achieve it, even though it's stacked against you, it's impossible for you to achieve it. Thinking about her mother, that scene when her mother dies, and then um, I I know very little about burial practices or traditional anything but because i played fear effect for playstation (laughs) i know that you burn paper money as offerings to the dead sometimes right Mm -hmm. um and in this they burn a paper house to her as an offering to her and she's saying to her mom as they're burning this giant paper house she's saying please take it accept it and i just thought it was so that hit me like just even beyond the murders that was one of the most brutal parts of the movie is like she was never able to get this house for her mother so she has to burn her a paper one for her after she is dead and like that's supposed to placate her and how sad it's so sad (laughs) well especially like you said it's when the system was stacked against you and you were never gonna get it anyway but it's like that feeling of haven't i done everything right Mm mm-hmm (laughs) you know i've done what you said and now i'm still not enough i still don't know and it's these are people's lives you know someone's home is not a commodity (laughs) you know i was i just watched a short documentary about arkansas and their laws against like it's the worst state in the united states for renters because failure to pay rent is seen as criminal and people can go to jail and if you don't pay your rent by even like one day they start the eviction proceedings and if you're not out in 10 days they can press charges and you'll be in jail Mm -hmm. and it just traps people in a cycle of poverty and it's like we forget that there are people involved like it's someone's home it's not oh no you stole 
a thing from the store and now you're going to get prosecuted. It's like it's it's a home. Like people yeah. need a place. Yeah. Yeah. It's someone's livelihood. It's what it's in and in terms of how we gauge who is a person, it's why we treat homeless people so shitty as a culture. Like it's why we do the in Portland, Oregon, I have to hear constantly I have to hear people complaining about homeless people or oh, they have their things out on the sidewalk or oh, my neighborhood isn't safe. And it's like well, how are you helping them and where the fuck are they supposed to go? Yeah, we're, we're not going to have any safety net or social services that are that are decent, but... Yeah. Could you please take care of yourself? It's like, well, why don't they get a job? Like, oh, should they just stroll into it? Like, how do people even get fucking jobs these days? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's impossible. It's impossible. They, we started, uh, God forbid, during the pandemic, Portland, even though we have so much anti-human architecture in place so that people can't, like, like, like those fucking, I hate them so much, but the bus, the bus benches that are diagonal. Have you seen those where you can't, you have to like, lean against them you can't sit on them or lay on them oh god so it's designed at a weird angle so that you can't actually go horizontal on it so it's it's made so someone can't sleep on it yeah we're doing pigeon spikes exactly pigeon spikes for people for people now odot oregon department of transportation put up these boulders they're they're like they're supposed to be like you know landscaping boulders they put them up all over on the sides of the freeways and on overpasses and exits and stuff where it's grassy where people are building camps and they put those there so that our freeways aren't sullied by someone having to live there because there's nowhere else for them to live it's awful how easily we cast out people like that or port so portland started making um started trying to make an effort somewhat during the pandemic because it was just you know so awful so they put up porta potties in neighborhoods. So like every couple of blocks there will be a porta potty. We got a letter sent to our house from the Creston Neighborhood Association. Oh dear. That we're not part of, but they just like mailed it out to everybody that lived in the neighborhood. And it was it was trying to get everybody to speak out to the city to have these porta potties removed. And I'm like, I'm sorry, are you opening up your bathroom so that they can fucking shit? <laughs> like what are you, what is a person living in a pandemic who also the whole fucking state was on fire for a good part of the pandemic and there was smoke everywhere and they're sleeping outside in this. So it's it's absolutely disgusting. I think all this ties into what I'm really interested in in this movie with the violence and why I love, I'm going to say it, I love the violence in this movie. I think this movie would be very different without the violence. And I think this violence is very important because we are supposed to be appalled and, and shocked by what she's doing uh, and how brutally she's killing these people. Like, you know, stabbing them through the head and their eye pops out or vacuum sealing them um, and suffocating them with a plastic bag around their head. Just absolutely horrible ways to die. But we don't consider all of these, like like the pigeon spikes for people. We don't consider anti-human design we don't consider the housing markets landlords we don't consider that violence and this is it's making the violence is so explicit that it's pointing to the fact of how invisibilized all of this other violence is that we have just normalized like there's a part early in the movie she she works at a one of her jobs is at like some phone you know call center she calls people about like lending and borrowing and early on she's having a conversation with her co-workers about like the ethics of it and he's like, well, what's the problem? Someone wants to lend and someone wants to borrow. It's a win-win. Nobody's harmed. 
That's just the way it is. And so we're supposed to take this, that this is just normal. We all do this. This is how you live. Right. And her point was, we're offering loans to people that we that have bad credit. We know they can't repay it. Yeah. But they're doing it. It's like the predatory, you know, paycheck advance places or rent to own or any of these things that take advantage of people. Fucking the student loan industry. You student take, fucking Sally Mae. Sally Mae. You take out $50,000 in loans, which is fucking ridiculous to begin. I saw someone recently posted all of their balances. They had originally taken out like $75,000 in student loans. They have already paid back $97,000. They still owe like $120,000. My god. That's how it fucking works. It's like cap like end game capitalism is so fucked and you're right like we don't see the violence the people who aren't seeing it are the developers who are signing these deals in their office that's fucking miles away they're not seeing Mm -hmm. the people who have to live with this or are getting kicked out of their homes Mm -hmm. it's like it's not real it's like there's nothing behind it it's just it's you know words on a screen or fucking a signature on a piece of paper and that's it yeah it's legalized it's normalized it's how we it's just how you live your life Mm-hmm. Is how it is. It's why, it's why, like, the insurance thing with her dad in this movie. And, oh, well, we actually can't, we can't help him because he went in for this treatment. We didn't know about it. So, therefore, you're invalid. It's it's that exact thing. We're like, well, that is an act of violence. That is an act of killing him, just like what she did when she actually let him die. But we don't consider it that. Um, it's not considered that culturally or... or... So, I look at... The, the government working with the triad, working with landlords, throwing snakes in the people's homes as <laughs> something that actually happened. But that's just that's just business. That's just development. So I love the juxtaposition of having this woman who is brutally killing people placed against all of these instances of insurance, even the men, all the men that are cheating on their wives, like all of the I mean, yeah, it's heteronormative, monogamous, whatever. But like all of these instances of things that she grows up with and sees and is living around and trying to work in a system, she's trying to work within the system and fit and win by it. It's all murder. Well, what's one of the quotes that opens the movies when you live in a crazy city, you have to be crazier. Yeah. 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 And not to get too Marge Gunderson about it, but it's like, and for what? For a little bit of money? Mm-hmm. I just, I don't understand. Like the housing crisis is, the you very young people listening today don't know any different, and I feel badly about that. Like they haven't, they haven't known it. But it's like my first apartment was dirt fucking cheap. Yep. And I'm not that old. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it wasn't the 1960s. It's not like you're when your grandparents are like, "Well, in 1930, my apartment was five cents." It's like <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not that old, but my the place I'm living in now is at least three times the amount that my first apartment was. Yeah. And it's less in terms of space and et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Like, I, why is this allowed to happen? When is it, like, what is the fucking breaking point? Because guess what? The earth is like, 
gonna fucking toast us all up in 20 years anyway so like. that's the annoying part is that it i mean this is the same as is you know every time we have our camping chair and our stogie and john carpenter's with us and we're like mm-hmm. money's just a number man but that's the thing is there's no ultimate nobody wins in the end no like ultimately you know the the land the the money from the landlords that you know goes to the lender which goes to the bank or whatever the people at the very top are just enjoying like extra caviar and that's it yeah but it's so unsustainable i saw um i saw some well i didn't read it so i saw a headline (laughs) it was talking about how like this kind of the average house situation like what i'm talking about here like the average shitty tiny shit low rate cottage here in portland that's 400 400 or four hundred and fifty thousand dollars right now here um that kind of home say 20 years from now they're estimating would be like 2.5 million at this rate which is just like <laughs> but it's like you shouldn't that's the thing is like who cares once people started looking at their family homes as like well the value is gonna go up eventually like who cares aren't you fucking buying that home so you have a place to live and raise your no, family or whatever it's an investment and like that's the fucking problem invest in a piece of art which is gross yeah. enough which is gross enough but like yeah, be like be like Karen Allen and um or Nancy Allen and dress to kill and have your painting that you buy. <laughs> right. But it's like, well, she bought the house in two thousand and ten and then she sold it in two thousand fifteen and earned ten million dollars from it. Like so? <laughs> like, that wasn't the point of buying the home originally, was it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's well. Our friends, we live in a house that our friends purchased. They purchased it, then they moved to Canada because they're like, we need to get out of America. <laughs> and uh, they're very smart. They're actually keeping this home. Uh, we're, we're very comfortable living here because they're our friends. They're kind to us as landlords. Um, they're going to be out of here long term. So we can stay here pretty much as long as we think for now. And that's really great because you can't find that in Portland, Oregon. Um, it's relatively... Uh, safe for us as as people that have to rent to be here and they ultimately think their plan is to keep this in their family they have a kid they want to pass this house down to him and that's great but i also am really impressed by that because even just looking at the fucking zillow for this house like when they bought this house it was like two hundred and eighty thousand dollars and this house from this late from the late 50s and it's not that great it's i mean i love it but it's not that great it's now $600,000 value. And that's literally just since they bought it five years ago. It's doubled. And like, why? And why? The area has not gotten nicer. No. Who is determining all of this? It's all a bunch of fucking bullshit. It is. And doesn't it make you want to go grab that vacuum seal? It really does. I probably won't. I won't use it on the nice lady, but the no. fucking bank executive... Hell yeah! Like, when do we start chopping off heads? My God! That's the thing. And I'll sit around and, like, I have, you know, some other friends that are are trying to even consider, you know, this massive thing that feels so unattainable now of trying to even begin to consider purchasing a home and what would that look like? Um, We'll just sit around and talk about it and we're like, it has to fall at some point. It has to go down at some point. Just like they say in this movie. (laughs) We raised... 10 years ago. Yeah. 
but that's i i keep saying that too. like i look at the rents everywhere and it's just like but they have why are they keep going up like they have to go down don't they mm-hmm. because eventually no one will be able to afford anything anywhere and then when you learn that that doesn't really matter because as long as they're getting tax breaks they don't fucking care if anybody's in the house or not Mm-hmm. i saw a great tweet about landlords and bankers and lenders and all that that i can't even remember but it was along the lines of like it was even it was comparing the fact that we um as a society demonize people that need any kind of government assistance or like medicare or um Uh, welfare or anything like that you know this idea of oh you just get a check for sitting around doing nothing and it's like oh but that's exactly what a lender does that's exactly that that student loan um balance that you were talking about but that is how it works that's the business so we just have to accept it so yeah absolutely grab the vacuum sealer uh <laughs> les out in a german dance company and realize that you're a goddess and start blowing up some fucking heads man oh that's the dream yeah it really is it burns me up it's enraging it's absolutely enraging and having somewhere <sighs> housing and healthcare should be absolutely built into the society I was going to say it should be a right, but I actually don't think rights exist. <laughs> it should be it should be a thing that we are, that is attainable. It should be part of the social fabric. Yeah, it should be something that you have yeah. to live. Because they are two things that are non-negotiable to stay alive. But it doesn't matter if people stay alive. No, and really it's up to you and how hard you work. Especially all these young folk. I don't know why young folk today don't buy their own homes either. <laughs> they're not eating at Applebee's and they're not buying their own homes and I don't understand. Yeah, I was able to raise four kids and a dog off my one job. <laughs> yeah. My wife stayed at home. I bought my house for five cents. So I was <sighs> fine with my generational wealth. Why weren't you <laughs> fine? Oh, I get so incensed. Truly, I can smell it from here. <laughs> Patchouli. <laughs> Patchouli and rage. That would be a great power. Like, your mutant X gene is just, um... I smell weird. Yeah, your your name is Censor. And you just, <laughs> you just emanate patchouli when you're angry. I remember one time, a friend and I went... This is an incense-related story. <laughs> a friend and I went to, like, a bodega kind of place, and they had an incense display up at the front where you could buy incense. And while my friend was checking out, I was looking at the incense, and it was like patchouli, strawberry, etc. And there was one, and it said pussy. (laughs) (laughs) That is not what I expected you to say. I didn't expect to see it. Did you smell it? I, yes. And I couldn't smell it through the, like, cellophane or whatever. But I picked it up and I was like, oh, my God. And I showed it to my friend. And the guy behind the counter thought it was hilarious. He knew exactly which one I picked up. So. (laughs) I want to Google it, but I don't think it'd be good. Yeah, probably not. (laughs) But it's out there somewhere, probably. Is it from the maker of Hufu? Yeah. (laughs) Could be. Oh, gosh. 
I should have bought it. I should have just bought it. How just did to you see. not buy the pussy incense? <laughs> you think I would, right? I think all of us listening to this right now, if we think we know anything about Stacey, we would have thought for sure she would have purchased the pussy incense. I don't know why I didn't. Now that I think about it, I missed the opportunity. It just said it right there. It just said, like, on the, I can see the label. It was like gold sticker with black letters on it. Pussy. And I was like, <laughs> could that be? Just right next to the Nag Champa and the Dragon's Blood. Mm-hmm. It's right there. Those are my two, that's one of my big didn't buy it regrets. Pussy yeah. incense and when I went to Tori Spelling's yard sale and I didn't buy the prop newspaper from Coed Call Girl that had the headline that said Coed Call Girl. What? And I, and I said, no, no, $25 for a fake newspaper. That's too much for me. And I, Stacey. I still think about it to this day, obviously. It is one of my life's greatest regrets. It's the one that got away. That and the incense are the, the gals who got away. Yeah. Oh well. Next life. Oh wow. Uh, yep. So there you go. Dream home. So that's Dream Home. Dream Home is on Shutter. People can check it out. It is very, very violent. <laughs> so be warned. It's really good though. It's excellent. It's really good. I just in what universe does a producer like push for gore and it makes the movie better? Right. And in what universe does the director want have a artistic vision that is being compromised by his producer and it makes the movie better? Mm-hmm. And in what universe is that producer Josie fucking O? <laughs> and she's like, listen, you piece of shit. This is my first horror film and I'm going to make bank. Give me all the blood. <laughs> I love her. And she sold those emotions, she did. And those bangs, she sold those too. She really did. Yeah. She really did. I love this movie. Um, this was, this, I think of, of all the rewatches on the show, this is one of my top rewatches. I really, really, really love this movie. I also love that we could talk about it today and spend most of the time just complaining about landlords and the housing crisis. I mean, every episode we spend most of the time complaining about something, right? That's, it's true. So why not? At least what are they on about today? This is real. Listen, landlords and healthcare are my two hot button issues. When we make Boxing Day, and the heads day is out there chopping off heads, you know whose door he's, they're going to. <laughs> My God. Well, okay. Uh, with all that said, Stacy, are you ready to put in a down a down payment on the chopping block? <laughs> I can't afford it, but sure. Yeah. It might take your head. Oh. That might be the cost. Yeah, I'll do it, man. It's the chopping block. It's a question and answer game in which we are presented with three categories to choose from. We choose our category of horror trivia, not necessarily horror adjacent trivia. (laughs) We answer within our category five questions. We have 10 seconds to answer every single question. Well, not every single question. We have 10 seconds to answer 
each question unless you call out I want the wig in which case Jamie Lee Curtis's wig from the 1981 film Halloween 2 magically descends upon uh, onto your head and latches on with its straw grip <laughs> and confuses our non-binary executioner the heads they which earns you an additional 10 seconds just to answer that question unless you have surplus wigs like one Stacy Um uh, if you get anything wrong, you are dead, dunzo, game over. Uh, you did not successfully throw the rose at Elizabeth <laughs> Bathory. <laughs> if you win, if you get all five questions right, well done. That's yeah. it. That's it, man. Somebody went first last time. Probably. Was it me? <laughs> I, I knew what to do last week. This week, I don't know. I think... Oh, wait, no, I think I asked you second last time, so I think I ask you first this time. Oh, okay. I feel it. I could be I f- this, this is the closest to continuity we've ever come. Yeah, this is yeah. three episodes in now that we've kind of kept track. You've it, kind of kept track. Kind of. I'm, I'm impressed. I could be making it up, but that's how I feel. It's my woman's intuition. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Okay. Wow. Yep. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you have two old categories and one brand new category. Oh. So your first old category is if I could be her for just one day. Which is, of course, a reference to Freaky Friday. Mm-hmm, of course. Of course. Duh. Uh, and so in, if I could be her for just one day, I will name two characters, two movies. I'll name two movies <laughs> that both have characters that have the same name. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> Why am I so bad at explaining my own fucking categories? I will give you two movies that share a character name. Not necessarily the same character. What? (laughs) Wait, oh no, I remember this one. Yeah, I I give you two movie titles. You tell me what character name those movies have in common. Uh Uh-huh. Does that make sense? So if you said E.T. and Jack Frost, I'd say Craig. Exactly. If there was a guy named Craig, or a woman named Craig, a them named Craig in both films. Yes, not necessarily the same Craig, but both characters have the name Craig. Then Craig is the answer. Right. But you say the movies. I say the movies, you say the character name. And they're all, you know them, so. Okay. It's not... They're nothing rare. Okay. Anyway, category two. I'm so bad at explaining my categories. I don't know why. I, no, I my br- I felt my brain actively deflate, and I think we just got so upset over the sheer state of the world and, like, people's priorities. Yeah, it makes for a poor chopping block every time that happens. Yeah, I started, I think my brain started to eat itself. Yeah. Okay. Category okay. two <laughs> is, uh, ah, excuse me, just one more thing. And this category is about, as Anthony would say, the intersection of horror movies and episodes of Columbo. Yes! 
is. <laughs> and so I will describe an actress, I can tell you that. And you tell me, and they all were on Columbo. <laughs> yes! So it's mostly looking for actress names. I talk about the horror movie they were in and the Columbo they were on, and you tell me who they are. It's so cool. Uh, and your brand new category just came to me this morning. It was like my first thought upon waking. <laughs> Seriously, was this chopping block question? Sometimes, do you ever have like amazing, uh, well thought out, like complete ideas as soon as you wake up? Does yes. that ever happen? Yes. That's what this was. I'm not, I mean, amazing. Uh, well, remains to be seen. But I thought of this category is before my feet even hit the floor. It's like first thing in that case is committed first, to paper. Yeah. So this category is called Have to Believe We Are Mathemagic. <laughs> Thank you, Xana, dude. <laughs> That's right. That's a great song, by the way. Oh, it's so good. Everything Olivia Newton-John touches is gold. Yeah. yeah. So this one could also be called, the alternate title is Math According to the Subtitles. Okay. In which I give you, this is an Anthony category where it's like, bust out your fucking calculator, bitch, because, (laughs) okay. Texas Instruments in 10 seconds or less. Exactly. So I give you... The name of a franchise sequel that it's like without the number. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So those kind of sequels. I give you two of them. (laughs) I see. I didn't write down how to explain it. What? (laughs) Okay. So like, here's an example. Let me just give you the example because there's no way I can explain this. Okay. Wait, am I supposed to count the number of movies between the two f- sequels? You are supposed to add. Okay, here I'll I'll just give you an example. What? Yeah, you have to do addition. Okay, so for example, if I said Halloween: The Curse of Michael Myers, mm-hmm. plus. Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Oh. Equals. <laughs> oh. Uh, uh, that, that's, um, that's six, that's ten. Exactly! Because Curse of really? Michael Myers. Yes, because Curse of Michael Myers is the sixth movie, and final chapter is part four. Is four. Six plus four is ten. Do you see what I mean? But I'm not going to say Friday the 13th part two, because then you'll know it's two. So all of these sequels are like that, where they don't have the number of the movie in the title. It's just a title. Do you go up to legacy sequels and reboots and remakes and stuff? No. Okay. So it's not like you'd have to know, like, Rob Zombie's Halloween. No, I'm not going to do that, because how could you possibly know? These are all, like, in the franchise proper. I'm not that much of a you where I'm going to I was going to say, how could you possibly do yeah. that? I've done that to you like three times. At yeah. Least. Yeah. God, this is such a tortured fucking explanation for a category you're not even going to pick. So oh, I might. Now that I got the 10, I feel like I could do it. Yeah. So that's that. So you have, if I could be her for just one day, uh, excuse me, just one more thing, and have to believe we are mathemagic. <laughs> 
that category made sense to me first thing in the morning. So now in the cold, harsh light of day, I don't know, but we'll see. Who did I go home with last night? Yeah, I was going to say, this is absolutely the morning after when they come out of the bedroom and you go, oh. I had that pussy incense burning and you never know where things will lead. Lost control. Lost control. I was like... <laughs> It's like feeding a gremlin after midnight. (laughs) That's Stacy and her pussy incense. Yep. There she goes again. (laughs) Okay, wow. These are all great. (laughs) Oh, thanks. I... See, I'm really drawn to Mrs. Columbo, but... I was so, like, sure that I would die immediately. I mean, even just on the example, but then I was able to do the number. And I was really impressed with myself. I want to... I want to honor the Stacy that woke up this morning. <gasps> and I want to do... You have to believe we are Mathematic, colon, subtitle, math number, dial code, Santa Claus, number <laughs> Okay. Okay. Oh! so brave this week yeah i'm feeling it i'm feeling it but i but i do this on the condition that mrs Columbo comes back even oh, though she's sure. not called that yeah she'll be back okay she'll be back <laughs> okay that's what she says <laughs> yeah, at the was, end of her, mrs Columbo. that was her famous uh tagline or whatever <laughs> okay all right here we go have to believe we are math and magic oh fuck why am i doing this Number one, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, plus Friday the 13th, the final chapter. What? That's a, wait, that's a trick. You just, that's 10. Yes, ding, ding, ding. Oh, oh. I couldn't oh. think of another example, so I just gave you the first question as an example. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I was waiting. My brain was like, where's the trick? I know, and then I was like, that'll fool you. Okay, number two. Okay. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, plus Leprechaun in the Hood. Oh, fuck. No. No? Wait. Oh, wait. No? Uh, I'm, I'm say eight. God damn it! Was it five? Was it part five? Uh, yes. The answer we were looking for is nine. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Next Generation is part four, and Leprechaun in the Hood is part five. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Ow! Because, of course, Leprechaun 4 is, of course, Leprechaun in space. Fuck. Four is space. I thought three was space. No. Well. God damn it. You were close. You were oh, very I'm close. I so excited. But then I got confused because five, but isn't five and six are both in the hood. Yeah, I think six is back to the hood. Back to the hood. Yeah. There's a lot of leprechauns. You tried. I'm so upset. You tried. I'm, I, uh, I'm impressed that you tried. That was a tough category. Five, nine. Nine. I like this category though. I had my counting fingers ready when you said <laughs> when you said the first one, to the beginning. I had my four hand ready to go. I had four, <laughs> and then you said in the hood, and I said oh five four five four five four. It was like it was like at the it, in is it is it control or wait rhythm nation? Was it where she counts with her hand weird? That like, is one, Janet two, Jackson's three. Rhythm Nation eighteen fourteen. 
Yeah, five, four, five, three, four, or one, two, three. How does she? Two, one. But then she does. She does five. But then she does. She changes how you would. She think. changes from the three to two. She changes. yes. So that was me. I was doing that. I was Rhythm Nation. Listen, Janet Jackson does not get the acclaim. No, she doesn't. uh, That she is owed. Thank you very much. And now the only discussion around her is because everybody's finally realizing that Justin Timberlake sucks. Yeah, so now we have to enjoy her by proxy of of, uh, vindicating her in terms of just talking about Justin Timberlake. Yeah, people still aren't talking about her music, which, excuse me, one of the greatest pop artists of all time. Thank With you. sequential hit after sequential hit after sequential hit. Okay. And hello, Control is like one of the greatest albums. She came ever. out with like four fucking great albums in a row. Anyway, and she was on the television show Good Times. Thank you. Thank you you very much. And taught me how to count with my fingers in a weird way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I did that and I was wrong. Um, My turn. Your turn, Stacey. Uh, Get ready for uh, trivia. It's <laughs> unexpected. Nobody saw this coming. I too have two old categories for you and one new category for you. Mm-hmm. Um, your categories, your returning categories, are synonymous with. Oh, now yeah. this showed up last month, last week. This is in honor of uh, friend and listener Tom Hilton's short film "Synonymous with," which you can watch on um, Vimeo. In which you have to name the real movie title after I give you a synonymous title for that movie. So, for example, Arachnid Infant would be Spider Baby. Yeah, yeah. So I say Arachnid Infant, you say Spider Baby. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Your second returning category is also at the intersection of horror movies and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. That's right. It's the Real Housewives of Beverly Horror because I am working through season 11 and I cannot get enough. Speaking of the intersection between Real Housewives and horror, of course, we're talking about Eileen Davidson, star of The House on Sorority Row. Hell yes. I didn't realize she also wrote mystery novels, including Dial Emmy for Murder. What? Yeah. Is there anything she can't do? Does she need us to adapt Dial Emmy for Murder into a hit film starring her? (laughs) Maybe. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I love how mysteries always have to have puns in it. It's like, oh, I write mysteries that center around baking. And so it'll be like, <laughs> pie pie, my darling. Or, <laughs> you know, it's always like, with this crust, I be kill or whatever. I, you know, I don't, I'm bad the, at puns. The, but. the Janet Ivanoviching. Yeah. yeah. Of, of. Of the mystery. And yeah. the True Blood did that with the Southern Vampire. It's always Southern Southern women and Katherine Heigl adjacent puns. Yeah, it's, it involves like baking or cats somehow. Or wine. <laughs> yeah, wine. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love it. They're so stupid, but I kind of love it. It's uh, Listen, good job, Queens. Anyway. Um, well, that said, your return, your new category, your one new category in honor of a dream home, 
Your new category this week is location, 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 in which I give you the address of an iconic horror setting. Oh. And like unto MapQuest, you tell me what movie or property, <laughs> movie or property it is featured in. So a lot, some of these are like the actual addresses, but there are like kind of hints in the address of what the thing is. And some of these are like iconic addresses that they explicitly state in the horror thing itself. So it kind of alternates slightly. Um, so your categories are synonymous with the Real Housewives of Beverly Horror or location, location, location. Oh, those all sound like fun. They are. Oh, okay. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> well. Would you like some kombucha? I <laughs> um, I'm going to do location, 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 even though I don't feel confident, but I think that, like I said, ten times. It sounds like fun. You're going to get these. You're going to get these. Okay. You're going to get these. Some of them are extremely obvious. Some of them are... You just have to think for a second, maybe. One, two, three, Murder Street. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Ready? All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. So I literally just give you the the address. Okay. Some of them are just like, well, you'll you'll find out. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Uh, number one. <clears throat> 112 Ocean Avenue. The Amityville Horror. Ding, 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 ding. <gasps> Both in real life and in the film. Um, okay, on to two. 1428 Elm Street. Ooh. <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Oh, I shouldn't get caught. That took you seven seconds. I wasn't sure if you would get it. <laughs> now, here's a question. If I had said 1428 Genesee Drive, Los Angeles, California, would you have gotten that? I think the 1428 I would have gotten. You still would have gotten it. I think so. See, I almost went with the actual, because I love that they just kept the number. Mm-hmm. But uh, just changed the street name. But yeah. Boy, yeah, but real life versus, okay, well, anyway. Yeah, okay. We're going to shake things up a bit now, all right? Here we go. On to three. 1313 Mockingbird Lane. (laughs) Is that the Munsters? Ding, 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 ding! Okay. Where did the Adams family live? Uh, They lived at, in the old TV series, they lived at 0001 Cemetery Lane or Drive. What? Yeah. Not iconic. You have to say zero three times. Zero 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 one Cemetery Lane, not I can't thirteen thirteen Mockingbird Lane. Look at that, uh, soon to be featured <laughs> in acclaimed auteur Robert Zombie's new upcoming film, The Monsters. Yeah, co-starring Elvira. I can't wait. Uh, all right, on to number four. All right, now you're gonna want to listen here. <clears throat> 200 Mall Circle Drive, Monroeville, Pennsylvania. Dawn of the Dead. Ding, 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 ding! Home of the famous Monroeville Mall. Yeah, I've been there. You have? Yeah, it's pretty fun. They have like little signs and stuff, pictures. 
Does it look very similar? Do they change a lot or modernize it? There's stuff you definitely recognize. Like, oh, there's the, like, fountain the zombie fell in or whatever, you know? Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's <laughs> worth a trip, I think, if you're if you're in the area, if you're in Pittsburgh or something. Oh, that sounds so exciting. Oh, yeah, because everything was um, Pittsburgh for George Romero. Yep. Until he moved to Canada. Uh, okay, look at that. We are on to the final question. Oh, boy. All right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Remember, you have a wig. You have two wigs, actually. I think I have three wigs, but that's okay. Shut up. You have three wigs. You have the, the regular <laughs> wig. You have uh, the wig of the dead, and then you have Karen Huger's unreliable wig. <laughs> yeah. of Potomac. Right. Okay, question five. For all the big money. Here we go. Number five. 3600 Prospect Street, Northwest, Washington, D.C., struggled to get the omen out it's because i wanted to say the exorcist i heard the e starting and i was like she's gonna get it in nine seconds I'm so stupid. no <laughs> no you did, so stupid. <laughs> you did so good no but then i blew it because i doubted myself However, I could hear your brain moving because you thought what's in Washington, D.C., and you thought the exorcist, and then you thought, but there's also the political intrigue in Washington, D.C. setting of the Omen. Yeah, because I thought Georgetown. Like, I, my brain was like, that, yeah, but, it's, but I'm like, Georgetown kind of isn't super real. Like, I just, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't understand D.C. I don't understand how it works. Well, and it's, because what? It's Maryland, but it's not. Right. It's, I, originally I was going to say Georgetown, Maryland. And then I was like, but that's actually not real. And I'm like, the actual address is 3600 Prospect Street, Northwest Washington, D.C. And I'm like, if I was, if I said Georgetown, but then I'm like, but then there's, would I just say Georgetown and just leave it at that? Right. So I'm sorry, I betrayed you. No, my brain <laughs> If it was Georgetown, me. you would have gotten it though. My confidence betrayed me. <laughs> But you were so close. So close. I knew the answer. I just refused to say it. You did. And you almost said it. I heard the L. <laughs> I heard it. I think, <sighs> well done. You did a very, that was a very good showing. Well, thanks. <laughs> Still dead. I'm just true. as dead as you. It's true. Look, we're dead together. We're dead together. That's sweet. That's yeah. the way every podcast should end is with the host being dead together. I mean, honestly, my Twitter feed would be much lighter. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, okay. Our ghosts will be back next week, I guess. (laughs) To talk about something. I don't know what. Ectoplasm. Yeah. We're going to just talk about ectoplasm. Won't that be fun? (laughs) Oh, it's kind of (laughs) goopy. Um, if you would like to hear more me, I don't know why you would, but if you do, if you're that bored, uh, I was recently on an episode of the Evolution of Horror on one of Mike's Patreon episodes. Uh, we had an in-depth talk about A Tale of Two Sisters and, uh, Korean horror in general. So if you are a Patreon subscriber of the Evolution of Horror, you can hear that. 
That's delicious. And technically you wrote the book on it. Uh, Technically you wrote the booklet on it. (laughs) I wrote an essay. For the booklet. Yeah. (laughs) For the booklet. For Tale of Two Sisters, the Arrow video release. Yes. Which is very exciting. Zhang Wahunyang. What did you just curse me with? What was that? You, was that a hex? <laughs> it was a hex, yeah. No, that's yeah. what the movie's called. Oh! Really? Mm-hmm. Say it again. Chang Hunyan. I love that. So, there's that. Otherwise, I don't know. You got something, Anthony? Um. A place people can find you or something? What is happening to us? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just dead. It's just my my disembodied head. Just the gums are flapping, you know. I love it. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, you can find out stuff from me. Uh, I'm actually I'm having. I don't know when exactly it's coming out, but episode two of Tales from Queer Horror, my web series, premieres very soon on my website at thecarlarossi.com. I don't know an exact date yet because I need to get my life in check. But I've been <laughs> playing my Dreamcast, so <laughs> we'll find out when that happens. But yeah, thecarlarossi.com. And um, and for all of your Gaylords purposes, uh, you can find out everything about us at gaylordsofdarkness.com. Um, you can send us an email through there. You can link to all of our social media on Twitter at Gaylords of D, on Facebook at Gaylords of Darkness, on Instagram at Gaylords of Darkness. Surprise, surprise. And you can even um, listen to stuff there, watch other things. You can watch the Necronomalog. You can watch our free movie content <laughs> yeah our puppet show films with stacy's gorgeous illustrations we worked hard on those people should watch them if they want to they were literally those two things were like literally the only thing either of us did for like the first half of the pandemic <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> a lot of bl- literal blood sweat and tears went into them so please watch those they're really i really love them yeah otherwise you know so much for that, right? Yeah, I'll never buy a house. I'll just be left to vacuum seal people. Yeah, I that's will. fun. That's something to do. It is. It's an activity. I like when it goes. I bet you do. Yeah, I do. Wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, Oh oh my god! god. Oh Oh my my god! Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Ha, ha, ha.